0: Coming up, the Brooklyn Nets attended the debut of the new big three for the Suns and turned it into a retirement party. We break down the clutch buckets and the win coming up next. You are locked on Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets Podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets. Every single day. He's Doug Nori. I'm Adam Armbrecht. We thank you as always for making us your first listen of the day. We are 100 percent free on all those great platforms. And let you know today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning five-dollar money line bet. That's 150 bucks If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started. And, dog, we get started with the Brooklyn Nets' second game of the West Coast trip. Oh, of course the Phoenix Suns get their big three together for this one. Kevin Durant returns against his former team. None of it matters. Brooklyn oh, Nets baby. in an epic game. Did the Nets win the Durant trade? The Nets won the Durant trade. That's all that's all we We need one. solve all there, boys. <laughs> well, there's only one meaningful metric that we needed to evaluate whether or not the Nets won that trade. And that's whether they were gonna beat the Suns here in Phoenix when Phoenix gets all those guys back together. I tongue in cheek, obviously. But in general, in terms of like big win, meaningful win, narrative win, this is like for a Nets team that is what it is at this point. Like, this is kind of as big as it gets. Like, there, this was this had all sort of the hallmarks of what you want from a basketball game. Obviously, Durant playing with the team, playing with the team that they traded him, bringing Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson back into Phoenix, where they got a huge reception from the Phoenix Suns fans. Really cool to see. And just in general, like, when you are a Nets fan, you know, us, you guys out there too, when you're kind of putting ones on the calendar that you hope line up a certain way we hoped that one Kevin Durant would be able to play in this game because those are the best versions of the games you want to see. Two that it would be like this full you know full powered version of them so there would not be any excuses on the timeline about whether or not like oh oh you didn't see us at our first at our you know at our, at our most ready. and then for the Nets to go into that environment and pull off a close win, I mean this is it's a really really cool situation and yeah there's I, that's a kind of point stop when it comes to the W. 116-112 to 112 is the final score in this one. and At a high level, as you say, you want to see you know best against the best. You want to have those benchmark games for a team like the Brooklyn Nets who know what they are, at least on paper right now. But then you go inside of this game, and the Nets are up huge. They're up double yeah. digits in the first half. They're up at the half. And then all of a sudden in the third quarter, ah, we'll go ahead and shrink that rate down. We'll go ahead and make it 75 apiece. Then you'll start to be chasing us a little bit. And, of course, you have those moments where you're like, well, that was nice. You know we had we had some fun, but now reality is going to set in here. And then I'll just I'll fast forward to the fourth quarter, where all of a sudden you get Mikhail Bridges comes up clutch, Cam Thomas comes up clutch, Spencer Dinwiddie folks comes up clutch in all of these key spots. And, and I, I think it does make you feel like these games are really fun from a Nets perspective, even beyond the win and being the underdog in a matchup like this. But it's that you have players on this team, Mikhail included, especially in recent games, who like. The moment is not too big for and we can go back to last year playing free and loose after the trade. That's great. Now it really matters. Now you're an above 500 team. Now you need to win these games, even as impossible of a task as it may seem when you're going into it. You need to come up clutch. Several players do it. That was my favorite part about this. It was like, yep, it's going to take it's going to a village. And thankfully, we have a lot of really good basketball players inside of our village. There was a moment in the fourth, excuse me, in the third quarter where the Nets could have packed it in. They had given up the lead. They were having an impossible time with Devin Booker. Like they could have just, it could have. It really kind of in some ways, not to be you know negative about it, but it kind of did feel like in the moments, like, okay, I can kind of see what's coming here, right? Yeah. Like uh, the Nets got off, like you said, they got off to this big lead in the first quarter. They're firing on all cylinders, but you look across the court and it's like, well, that's Kevin Durant. That's Devin Booker. That's Bradley Beal working his way back into things. And that's a big three that's going to be, tough to deal with right now and and in the future, right? Like that's just a really, really high powered squad. And when they start rolling downhill a little bit, you can sometimes start to feel a bit like, you know, not nihilistic, but like, you're like, Oh, how's, how's this going to end here? Are we going to be able to stop this? They're starting to feel it. Booker's one of the very best there is. I mean, he's really, really tough to guard. So in that third quarter, when they've come all the way back, when they've taken the lead, there was a moment for me where I'm like, okay, nice effort on the road. This is a tough one. Phoenix is back in it for it to then flip in the fourth quarter back where you start to believe again, they start to believe and then ultimately take the W. I mean, it's even more, it kind of means even more to some degree because of the, because of how the timing of it all worked out. There are games we've seen the nets and really just basketball teams in general say to themselves, okay, they got us here. Like we had it, we gave them our best shot. You know, we took, we, we gave them a few punches. They landed. Now they, they're going to, they're going to kind of walk away with the W at home for it to flip in the fourth with all those guys. You mentioned is just really a testament to the grit that this team has shown all season long. They've done all season long. They fought so hard every game, even the losses when they've been out talented, maybe even just outmatched like from other squads, they give everyone everything every night. Like you can't ever, it's my bad for even counting them out because they've proven at this point time and time again, that you shouldn't do that. They stay in all these games. Yeah, Nets are up nine points coming out of that break, just to your point. And then it ends up being after a missed shot and a tip in from Nurkic, you just kind of go, we're going to talk about that. I think strategy wise, it actually ended up making sense the way they approach this. And it makes for an ugly stat line from, from a Nurkic perspective, if you're thinking about keeping him off the books. But that nine point lead at the half goes away on a little bit of a run here. And there's the moment when it's 85-78. Just to clarify this before we get into some of the other key moments here, I think this is the turning point for me, as you're saying, in the third quarter. It's 85-78, and it's a Dorian Finney-Smith missed jumper. It's a Dorian Finney-Smith offensive rebound. It's a Dorian Finney-Smith missed three-pointer. But Spencer Dinwiddie gets that rebound and gets it put back in to make it 80-85. It goes back and forth from there. But you're talking about a near 20-point swing in that game, right, from up big, to up nine to down seven. And without that bucket rate there, then it gets back and forth a little more and you go to the fourth, you say, hey, reset this table and let's go. And as we'll discuss here coming up in just one second, the fourth quarter is, is where all of these guys said, yeah, time to shine. We can go ahead and do that for you. Break down Mikael Bridges, Spencer Dimwitty, and Cam Thomas, who really carried the way in the fourth, coming up here in just one second. All right. Before we get to that, I'll tell you about our friends over at Fanduel. No better time to get in on the action over on Fanduel. New customers are going to get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet. Okay, so this would have been really easy if you'd signed up for Fanduel yesterday as a new customer, put in that five dollar money line bet on the very, the really big underdog Nets. You're walking away with $150 in bonus bets. You get the Nets W, so that's a win. And you just get a little win for the, yo, the old pocketbook when it comes to FanDuel. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app's so easy to use. So many betting options. Also spreads, player props, over, unders, award season stuff. It's all there on FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get in on the action this NBA season. FanDuel's official partner of the NBA. All right. So as we continue the epic coverage of Kevin Durant's retirement party in Phoenix for the Suns, he had a good run. We're really appreciative of what he did for the Nets, but thankfully his oversized feet also haven't step out of bounds in the fourth quarter at one point. No big deal. Listen, the bottom line, as we said it there, it was 86-88 going into the start of the fourth quarter. The Nets are down. They get a clutch bucket from Cam Thomas making the three and that's it. They tie the game there. They take the lead from there. And even though they get uh Nasir Little ties it up on a three-pointer 91-91, the Nets never give up the lead from that point in the fourth quarter. So I mean that that in and of itself. Being able to go into the fourth quarter and say, okay, let's go blow for blow, right? Like, we've got the lead now, and now it's about you're going to need to stop us. And I was actually listening to a little bit of this game at one point on the radio because I had to (laughs) make some moves last night and got to listen to Tim Capstraw say, he's like, I don't know what the strategy is going to be defensively when you're playing teams like this, and Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal and Devin Booker specifically. He goes, so the strategy has to be, I don't want to oversimplify it. You need to find ways to make sure you keep scoring. And the Nets did with several key players yeah the fourth quarter like you said they were able to it it was close so there was a lead but it never felt comfortable right like so they're winning they're winning the game in the fourth but it it never feels like oh they've got this in hand and that's what's always going to happen when you look across the court and see kd you see book like you see these guys uh, three points is, is nothing right five points is nothing seven points is really nothing against against these guys i mean they're just so 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 good in the end they were able to hit some big shots. They were able to like you know you walk through that Dinwiddie piece in, in the third quarter where they were able to keep balls alive. I mean, there's a sequence at the end of the game where it looks like they've given it away and they take it right back. I'll get to that in one second. <laughs> but overall, <laughs> overall, this fourth quarter was you know had a couple key key things with it. One was that Jock Vaughn played some different like rotations in this game. Yep. And I and I kind I do want to mention like sort of how they attacked Phoenix and how. You know, those that want to say Vaughn can't make adjustments. I mean, like this was one, this game was one big adjustment from what they had done sort of like in the past. But in general, they kept the offense on. Bridges was able to really dial it up, especially from the mid-range in in the fourth quarter. Did what he hit uh, a couple big shots. Like, I think that like when they're, when you watch this team sort of rolling like that, there is this this element that they can hang with these teams, right? Like Mm -hmm. sometimes it doesn't feel like they're going to have enough offensive firepower, but capture said you got to, you know, make sure you keep scoring with with these guys. There are times where these guys can have that requisite amount of firepower. They brought Cam Thomas back in for a closing stretch Mm -hmm. that they just hadn't done. Also like that, that speaks to the point of, we need to keep scoring, right? Thomas had not been closing some of these close games. He was in there for meaningful minutes over the last four with the understanding that they're going to need all the points that they can get. Like these are really encouraging signs for a team that is able to sort of like be malleable around what they want to do to be able to like hey, we need to be able to score with these guys. Let's get our, let's get as much scoring power as we can on the court, right? Like I think yeah. that like these are really really good signs for this team. No, and you mentioned it there. You know, it's Cam Thomas. He gets the tying bucket there—a little three-foot jumper in in the in the lane, going towards the basket. And he came on here late, ends up leading the team. Big in the free form. throw, big free throws late too. Sorry and to interrupt no, you. No, no, like, so yeah, and that's yeah. what I was going to say about it. Is it's Cam Thomas starts this here early in the fourth quarter. He also knocks down the three-pointer. He also knocks down a second step-back twenty-four-foot jumper. So he does that. But then it's Dorian Finney-Smith getting a driving layup. Then it's Royce O'Neill making a three-pointer. Then you get into the Spencer Dinwiddie three-pointer. You get the Mikhail Bridges bucket you also get Spencer Dinwiddie driving the lane and then you end up in these sequences and frankly I mean like I, I you know a little bit of like the the heart in the throat here as you're as you're watching Cam Thomas go to the line not because he's not an excellent free throw shooter but it's just a massive spot and when we talk about a young player it's like well here's a big moment right like here's a big moment it could go either way we've seen Cameron Johnson who's a great free throw shooter for the Nets step up late in games and kind of go oops I just didn't have it here Cam Thomas, cool as can be, knocks down both those free throws, and it really bookended the entirety of this fourth quarter. And as you mentioned, that sequence where the inbounds play, oh. Suns get the they get the turnover, but they fumble it, and then Spencer did when he grabs it back and outlets it. And and listen sometimes in games like these against teams like these you need one of those right you need a whoops a daisy moment that doesn't end up costing you and that was a part of it there too so of course you're gonna have those but the, the, the fourth quarter was filled with so many great spots here man and I, I it was I know you're gonna comment on the almost turnover but but Spencer Woody, for me I, dude I know that sometimes he takes shots and you go what are we doing but when he takes some of those shots in games like these, That dude does not. He is dripping with confidence. He is confident like Michael Jordan in his prime when he's on the basketball. And you need it. Like, you need it at some point. You need a guy that is irrationally bullish on what he's capable of because then he goes and gives you a couple of really important buckets late in this one, too. Ian Eagle with an incredible call on this where he says, uh, Dinwiddie hits a big shot and he says, he is him, Witty. And I, that's going to stick, by the way, oh, because <laughs> like that one's going to stick. It was such a great call in the moment. I don't know if I never know if Ian has these things sort of preloaded. Or if he's just it's probably a combo deal, right? I think some is probably preloaded. Not, that's not a knock. I mean, it's amazing. You guys, these guys the best in the business. But no, it's a compliment it's just, that he workshops. probably workshops a lot of these oh, things, it's right? Like it's he great. Sits yeah, that's there. no, amazing. There's of paper all over this guy's house. And not to make it out. about, not to make it about I, 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 but, I, but like the, the, the himwitty piece is a testament to like, Hey, like he does have, he can step up in these big spots. Sometimes the confidence, like you said, will drive fans totally crazy. It's why he's somewhat of a polarizing player. But in the end, I think it's like, it's that whole, the whole piece for him. And he had a really, really good game. The whole piece for him comes down to that final, that one of those final sequences where he's inbounding the ball. Goodwin steals it. And you're like, Oh God, <laughs> like, like, cause, cause here's the thing. And everyone out there knows this when you are a fan, like we are to like you, you will feel like those moments happen more against your team than they do for the other team. It's just, okay. it's just like, it's, it's the, it's the curse of fandom. The curse of fandom is feeling like, they, It's only us. It only happens to us all, all the time with these things, like, oh, you know, all the time with these late shots, all the time with these, you know, second chance points, all the time with this stuff. Those are the moments where you will sometimes sort of get deflated for a second. The fact that it happens like that, and then instantly they get the ball back. Like those are the moments I'm saying this because as a fan, we all need to sit here and hold these moments very tight and remember them because when the next thing happens where you feel like we, you, you got screwed by something. Sit back and be like, yeah, we got the Dinwiddie re-steal, though. <laughs> like, really, like, he was able to steal that ball back. He was able to steal that ball back for the W. And I think in close games, I mean, those are the things that really matter. I know all 48 minutes matter and everything along the way matters. But those moments where it re- the game hinges on who gets that ball right there. You know, if, Good- if Goodwin keeps the ball, it's a transition and they probably score. Right. (laughs) Like they're already out. They're already out in the break. The reason that the Nets were able to come back from that moment is because basically Phoenix had already broke out. (laughs) Like they were all they were already they were already and they had to recover to get Cam Thomas uh, on the foul. Like these are the moments that sort of define wins. And I just I just want to really say as a PSA, let's all try to remember that next time something feels like it goes against the Nets because that in that moment, it really went in their way. Now, we're going to get to the way that the Nets approach this. I think some smart decision-making about how they wanted to defend against Phoenix and against these players like Devin Booker, like Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal as well. But I did want to just tie a bow on on this overall for the Brooklyn Nets. This game, even though you end up having 26 points coming in off the bench, and Dorian Finney-Smith had a lot of really great moments on both ends of the floor, really, but five starters— all in double-digit scoring, led by Cam Thomas, 24 points, 21 from Mikael Bridges, 16 from Spencer Dinwiddie, 14 from Claxton to go with his seven rebounds, 15 from Cameron Johnson, who, if you stop watching the game after the first you know, first half, you'd say, wow, Cameron Johnson's going to go absolutely nuclear tonight. He may go for 50. Now, he doesn't end up scoring again in this game after 15 first-half points, but we talked about this the other day. Like, You need somebody that steps up in a big way and hits some big shots early. You need guys that are going to step up later and knock those down for you as well. So I just think a really nice tip of the hat here when it comes to these big games, this is kind of toe to toe. Your best five against our best five are going to determine the outcome of this game. And the Nets were able to best effectively Kevin Durant and Devin Booker because Bradley Beal did not have an electric game, even though he was six and nine from the field. A little bit of a quiet night for him. Right. So, like, I love that part of this. That it wasn't even about, even though we love the bench and how they've been such a massive part and they did win their minutes. I just love the idea that it was no, like Mikhail Bridges, Spencer Dinwiddie, Cam Thomas. Those are the guys that beat you. Our starters took care of business in this game. We didn't need to lean on maybe being better in the margins to the extent that we have, of course, of, of, across, excuse me, the course of the season. Coming up here in a second. Let's get into the way the Nets approach this one. Let's give tips to the Caps to that bench unit and tie a pretty little bow on this epic win for the Brooklyn Nets in the second game of their West Coast swing. We do that coming up next. All right, before we get to that, I'll tell you about our friends over at Dave. Look, one time or another, you all need a little financial help. Maybe it's a parking ticket. Maybe it's that vet bill. Maybe it's a car service light came on, and now you get that real sinking feeling. This is why Dave is great. Dave can get you cash. when you need a hand between paychecks, can help you build credit by setting extra cash advances on time. Dave is the banking app that's leveling the financial playing field. When you download Dave, you can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. It's part of Dave's extra cash account. Advance the money you need with no interest, and then you settle up later. Download Dave today at Dave.com slash LockedOnMBA. That's Dave.com slash LockedOnMBA. You can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. Download the Dave app. Or go to dave.com slash locked on NBA for terms conditions. Go to dave.com slash legal eligibility criteria and instant transfer fees. Apply banking services provided by Evolve member FDIC. All right. So, as we continue today's episode of the Locked on Nets podcast, a friendly reminder, guys, that it's a West Coast trip. And Doug and I let you know hey, man, these games are late. We're going to be coming in the next morning. We acknowledge, we know. We should have been here last night for you, and it's not going to happen again. One of these games <laughs> goes off epic. We're going to do the right thing by you, and probably the right thing by ourselves. We'll be on that YouTube live for you, so always make sure that you're subscribed. Turn on the, the alerts and follow us on social media, because we'll acknowledge the error we've made and let you know what we're going to do next the right way. As we talk about just strategies inside of this game, again, the bench unit, by the way, just to be clear, did beat. Phoenix's bench unit, 14 points. Bates Diop didn't really do much for them. Nasir Little had his moments, certainly with seven rebounds and ten points. That effectively was it, though. Goodwin not effective as well. And frankly, you and I talked about this coming into the preview and looking at this game of there's not a lot of guys here. Now, that was on the speculation about whether or not Kevin Durant was going to be healthy enough and all those things, but that obviously did play a factor in this. Nets end up being plus 12 in between those benches as well. Once again, the bench units are what are helping the Nets stay in all these games. Uh, it's been a theme all season long, right? We're 23 games into this thing, and the bench has been an underreported story because you know, most times you're not going to talk about a bench, but really for a lot of the season has been the story. <laughs> like, yeah. this is why the Nets are able to stay in games. Their bench units have significantly outperformed other teams' bench units, like almost basically on a nightly basis almost no matter who plays, <laughs> like yeah. Lonnie Walker, DSJ, Trenton Waterford, De'Aaron Sharp, DFS now coming off the bench. Like, this has just been such a solid group. Last night, it was for sure a massive piece of the story. Yep. I know people want to rail on Jacques Vaughn at times. It's easy to – and I get why. Like, there's lots of things that over the last year that, you, that are frustrating. You cannot deny that there weren't meaningful adjustments made in this game. And I can point out at least three of, like – big changes that they made i'll go through them bullet points and i don't know if we want to you know talk about each one. First, they went to a small lineup without claxton and sharp for a long stretch where i was like how is this going to go against and it was really to tax the phoenix bigs and it totally crushed like totally crushed they played watford at the five they played dfs they had five shooters on the court they were able to muck it up on defense enough they were switching everything and it really threw phoenix off and they were able to get it done on the offensive end also like to be able to do that in game that's not really something they've done a lot that five-man unit had played one minute together this season like that was not a group that had really played he went with it it totally worked the second piece is that they switched up their coverages more in this game to have Claxton switching a little bit more instead of the drop to really make sure that they could this I mean this is why Nurk had a million rebounds but it's Mm -hmm. also how they were trying to slow down some of the offensive firepower around the perimeter for those three guys. Switching Claxton at times onto those guys, I think threw them off and and it makes it hard. We know he's one of the best switching defenders in the league when they do it. They have not done a, a, a ton this season because they've been playing more drop defense. They switched up their coverages multiple times. And the third is that we, it was something we talked about in the pregame and the previous episode. He changed Cam Thomas's rotation and said, Well, I'm going to trust you late game here. <laughs> You're yeah. coming back in with three and a half minutes when we need the scoring. And maybe you say to yourself, Well, that you don't get credit for that because you should have done that anyway. I could hear that one. That's why I put it third. But the, um, in general, like these are meaningful differences than how they had approached other games. And I just always want to say, like, People that say, oh, you don't make adjustments. I mean, these are such clear adjustments. I don't know another way to put it. Like, they, they just played things differently than they played in the past. If you play things differently than you played them in the past to go against the specific thing that you're facing off against, hey, newsflash, it's an adjustment. <laughs> like, I, I just – and so he just has to get credit for it. He has to get credit for it. Like, they, like sorry to go long here, last thing. Like, the, at the beginning, I said – this team has fought so hard every game. Every game they stay in. That is a credit also to the coaching. These guys believe they can win every single game, no matter who it is. When you combine that with meaningful adjustments, you just have to credit Vaughn. Like I, even if you don't like him, I, I just don't know how you get away from it and say you know, he doesn't take at least some of the credit for this W. No, it's, uh, yeah, I, I feel like we've, we're not going to trend negative here, but it's like, I feel like we have to, we've debated against the fan base around Jock Vaughn and the things that he does or doesn't do right. And we yeah. know that's the nature of it. You're the head coach. So I'm not, sorry, I'm mean, not trying to go negative. This is all yeah, positive. I'm just saying, no, 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 I'm just no, no, no. saying just, that like, I'll, I'll say this, you should give, you should give him credit. Sometimes we don't talk about the coaching, especially right. in the W's we should we should hear because there was clear things you can point to yes yeah, yeah it's easier i meant to say to point at the negative and attribute it to the coach when things don't work when they do work you're very excited for the players and sometimes overlook how they got to that spot couple of things in the points you brought up, because they all are, of course, spot on when we talk about how this worked out for the Brooklyn Nets. The Nurkic piece is probably a hard one to watch in real time, right? And if you lose this game, I I wouldn't agree with it, but you'd hear the fan base say, how could you possibly? 22 rebounds. But what you love about it is Nurkic had 15 shot attempts. And why does that matter? Because Booker had 15 and Durant only had 18. So you want Nurkic in basically a timeshare with shots. Because it's always better, not just because Nurkic is Nurkic and Durant and, and Booker are the guys that they are, but because guess what? Two-pointers are worth less than three-pointers. And if you're going to give up points, give them up in and around the basket. Don't have it be something where you're knocking down shots from the outside. Nurkic only took two, three, two three-point attempts, did not make those. Kevin Durant was cold from the perimeter as well. It was a bad three-point shooting night. And I attribute that to your other point about getting Claxton into more switching opportunities. Listen, we know how elite he is at being a switchable player inside of this defense. We also know that up until this point of the season, we've seen the Nets at times struggle with their rotations, with getting out on those perimeter shooters. And if you come into this game and you think we know how deadly these players can be, we're going to live with it, looking a little bit easy, quote unquote, around the basket to prevent it being a, a windfall from the outside, right? So those two switches seemed really important. And when we get to the minute shares here, and we get to Cam Thomas, What well, can I say one more thing? One more thing about this before before you get to the, the, the minute share. There's so two other notes about this KD and Booker thing. One, both Booker and KD took fewer shots per minute. in this game than they have for the season. Now the shots per minute are a little off because they played a lot of minutes without like, they haven't been fully healthy this whole season. Right. And the shots per minute are going to dip a little bit when you get Beal back into the, into the thing. So it's not like a perfect one-to-one, but Beal only nine shots in 34 minutes. Booker 15 shots in 40 minutes. I mean he and I 15 shots of the 15 trips to the line, so that's going to throw it off. This is a guy mm-hmm. averaging 19 shots per 35 minutes, right? So they were able to reduce that pretty significantly. Durant at ha, this season has averaged t- more than 20 shots per 37. He only took 18 in 38 minutes, right? So they were again, some free throws in there also. The Nets had a clear plan also to be like, "Hey, Jordan Goodwin's of the world, Ch- Metus of the world, Nurkic's of the world have at it." Yep. <laughs> like if you if if we lose because you guys hit open threes or you know shots near the basket, we lose. You have to pick your poison sometimes with these superstar teams. They picked It was so clear they picked their poison. Jordan Goodwin was wide open in the corner, like one time where they they could have sprinted as fast as they could. It would you would have needed an hourglass to get the guy all the way there. There was yeah. so, there were so many. There was so much room. They clearly chose a path in this game to say, this is what we're going to try to do to stop it. And if we lose because of the other guys, okay, like that's correct. So a lot of times you'll lose. The guys are awesome. Right. But this is also the the path to victory. Yeah, 100%, right? Like, I, I, again, when they get the win, it's easy to say this is the path to victory. But I almost nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100, you'd say, all right, listen, we'll live with it. If we're going to get beat by the others, right? But we'd like to avoid getting beaten by Kevin Durant or really primarily putting these guys in spots to hit what feel like and take what feel like easy shots, even by their standards, right? Epically easy shots. The other thing, just on the minutes breakdown, because I, I, this is the reminder that not all minutes are created equal, Cam Thomas still only plays 28 minutes in this game. Mikhail Bridges remains the leader of the minute shares for this team. He goes 39. 34 and 35 and 33 for Claston and Dinwiddie and Johnson. But Cam Thomas, just to your point, you know, we just had the discussion about where is this team with Cam Thomas? Where is the confidence level? I think at some point, when we talk about that fourth quarter and Mikhail and Dinwiddie and, and Thomas, it just comes down to who are our best guys, who have and, and from a who has the clutch gene in them, right? We don't know for sure if Cameron Johnson is really built that way. And we've talked about him recently too. We know. <laughs> Again, irrational or not, that Spencer Dinwiddie has that confidence. Mikael Bridges has been showing that now over these last handful of games that he wants the ball in the fourth quarter to dictate terms. And Cam Thomas has never had a doubt in his mind that he should have the ball in his hands. So I think that's that's the acknowledgement here. When you knew you were going to need some big buckets, Jacques Vaughn said, yeah, okay. And by the way, this may be – we always talk about be informed, right? Be informed by what you see and by the sample size and don't hold true to a thought process or an idea – that is not true. It is accurate anymore. Jock Vaughn may have had that reality, right? I don't know. Yeah. He's young. I don't know if he's perfect. The, you know, the on off the minutes, it doesn't all add up quite right. But guess what? I I need to take a shot on this kid in this moment. And he came through in a big way. So there's, there's a lot of really great narratives beyond the wind coming out of this game for the Brooklyn Nets carrying forward. And just, you have to look a final thought on this too. And then they have Denver coming up here on Thursday on the back-to-back to so really celebrate this one. We, this was, this was a tough stretch of the schedule, right? Yep. Sacramento. It's, it's, it's a, it's that's an impossible out in in Sacramento, right? Um, in Phoenix with these guys coming back, Denver is a really tough, is one of the, it's probably the toughest play place to play in the NBA. Like this was going to be, this was easily their hardest three game stretch of the season. No, no doubt about it to already have banked a win through it is like yes. such a, I mean, it, it's only counts for one. I, I have to feel it counts for more like just on a mental and emotional basis. It's so big to all, just be, it feels like the trip's a win already. <laughs> like, a kind of – I hate to do that, but independent of what happens in Denver, and I hate to be, like, sort of ne- trend negative there, but, like, to already – to at worst be one and two through this three-game stretch, and then they're going to face Golden State without Draymond, like, it's, it's already just it, – it, you, you can't just – you have to be ecstatic about it. So, really cool stuff. Really cool W – I don't know. I'm kind of stumbling here at the end. I'm just excited, buddy. I'm just excited. All right. We are going to get out of here. Make if sure you subscribe too, to- This road trip is squarely in the vision for the Brooklyn Nets. after the 100%. Game. 100%. 100%. Yeah. No, like, 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> We're going to get out of here. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Uh, just as a reminder, man, all these Brooklyn Nets players, they shared it in the locker room. I'm a mad dog whose only concern is winning. That's Charles Barkley. Oh, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. Basketball.